This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Oh, locally created, nationally celebrated from the northeast to the southwest. This is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on mobile, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert. I'm your host, Nick Miles, with our friend, Truck Girl Jen, who thinks I'm in a bad mood today. You you are. I am? Yeah. What? Oh, you're getting a delay. You want me to press a button? I took care of it for you. Okay. You're supposed to take care of everything for me. I know. <laughs> um, Jen's mad because I want to talk about coronavirus and cars, and she wants to talk about cars. She's had enough. You're, yeah. You're full up with coronavirus. You don't want to talk about it anymore. No, I'm tired of it. And I'm sure a lot of Americans are tired of it, but yet it's still valid and important, so we have to hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what that sounded like to me? That sounded like... Backpedaling. You win, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> It is. It's just, it's overwhelming. It's exhausting. I just, I really would just like a roll of toilet paper. I mean, is it, <laughs> it's really, really difficult. <laughs> Jen is, Jen, I have to tell you, Jen is one of these people who doesn't have toilet paper. No, I've got, Nick's giving me a roll. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, hey, we're going to do it. We're going to have a splattering of everything today to make sure that we not only talk about uh, what's going on with cars and the coronavirus, uh, but also, by the way, uh, if you want to know our uh producer in the other room has 12 rolls he just flashed that up on the screen yeah i know <laughs> i've got one i'm so excited i'll give you three really yeah. oh you're my hero that'll last me a long time Right. <laughs> Just don't expect a paycheck this week. Uh, on the show, Michael Evanoff is going to be here to talk about Toyota and their 2021 Elantra. That got postponed. I was supposed to be there last week for the actual unveil. It was done online uh, purely because they didn't want people flying into Los Angeles. So we take a look at it. Did you watch it? Uh, of course I did. Oh, it was amazing. I love everything apart one thing about that car. What? The back end. It's too slopey. It's you too, think so? Yeah. Everyone oh. says the same thing. I like the dancers they had. Oh, yeah, because that's all about the car. Yeah, I know, right? Clearly, it's dancers, uh, coronavirus, well, and cars on today's show. Yeah, it was uh, We'll Hollywood. also talk about the EV prophecy <laughs> concept, which is a concept that Hyundai have. We're going to be talking about problems with your car loans. If you can't pay it, uh, John Vincent from U.S. News & World Reports is going to tell us what you can do if your car payment is not going to happen this month because you're out of work or uh, you have to put money towards other things. The first hypercar made in the U.S., it's from Zinger. And we'll talk to their uh, big old COO, who's going to tell us about the car. Jen keeps telling me, don't ask about the price. We can't talk about the price. <laughs> Ashton from Dodge talks uh, how to save money on your muscle car. Hey, you know something? Car dealers are completely empty. And that means that uh, they they got to try and sell cars and people still got to be paid. It might be the best time of year to buy a car, unfortunately. Uh, but it's true. It's probably going to be the best type of year to buy a car. We're also going to find out about the 2021 Civic Type R, which I am super excited about, by the way. I have a special place in my heart for the Civic Type R. They have a, a new one. It's not all new. It's just had some updates from the last model. Uh, Anton Wallman's here to tell us all about the coronavirus and how it's affecting the auto industry. And there is a lot of 
really interesting information in today's show. Also, I've been driving some really cool cars this week. Absolutely nothing to do with the coronavirus. You shouldn't buy these <laughs> if you are thinking of a <laughs> car to survive uh, the coronavirus. It's not going to help you. But the BMW 740e, which is the most luxurious large car in the world and is beautiful to drive. I, I got in and drove it. And I was so surprised. Not only is it loaded with tech and loaded with safety features and looks absolutely amazing and has large screen TVs in the back and all those type of things, it is such a pleasure to drive. Yeah. Such a oh yeah, I scared Jen pulling out of the parking lot today. Yeah. I put my foot down and she's like, I wasn't expecting. I wasn't ready, and it was like zero to sixty. And it's not like you had coffee in your hand or anything. No, but I get car sick, and I just wasn't ready. I've never managed to get you to throw up in a car yet. That's still one on my bucket list. Also, been driving the Lexus RX 450h. With the RX is of course their premium mid-size or, or compact uh, SUV. But a hybrid, is a hybrid a good idea? Should you be buying a hybrid? Should you be thinking about a hybrid? It's a lot of miles between gas fill-ups. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say a plug-in hybrid's a, an amazing idea right now, but hybrids, I, I'm not sure I could buy anything but a hybrid. I like the hybrid. The amount of fuel economy, you're getting an extra 150 miles out of a tank mm -hmm. in a lot of cases. And that's less visits to the gas station. So, you know, um, also, don't forget, if you're going to go fill up with gas at a gas station, make sure you wipe down the pumps with a clean wipe or wear gloves or use a towelette or actually gas is, is an excellent way to kill the coronavirus. <laughs> so you actually splash it along your hands, rub it around. Uh, you and know. then... Do not light a match. <laughs> well, that's that's a given. That's just in any day hey, of the you, week. By the way, just doesn't relate to right now. Doesn't relate to the coronavirus. If you get gas on your hands, don't light a match. That that's going to go forever. Well, you know, people are eating Tide Pods, okay, and that's a common sense thing. So you just <laughs> you know sometimes you just got to put it out there. Did you ever see any non-millennial eat a Tide Pod? I never saw anybody eat a Tide Pod. No, they were always like seventeen-year-olds. Oh, no. Don't do anything that will harm your health, exactly. period. That's just my general advice from beginning to end. Um, and especially, you know, keep safe. And make sure, by the way, if you are going to go um, get in a, a – a, in, in several states we can still do this. In some states, in Illinois, it's a shelter in place right now. Mm -hmm. And California shelter in place, yep. but uh, we still don't quite have a shelter in place yet. Um, yep. And our, and the governors and the Northwest have said not going to happen. So, and I'm concerned because now. you know you and I live in two different states. And that's why I like it. <laughs> in case they shut down the border, it's going to get interesting. I don't. I can't ever see that happening. By the way, I hope not. Are you going to? Do you imagine the lines to get across the bridges between Oregon and Washington? I don't travel How over does here. That, how does that Except work? Except for weekends. I, and it's going to be interesting to see how they manage this. On, to be honest with you, um, it's going to be hard. I, I My father-in-law has been on the phone this week screaming and shouting because his t TV didn't work. And we're just like, really? <laughs> really? Well, when you're stuck at home and have nothing else to do. Uh, he's stuck at home every day of the week, just to let you know. Mm. Just it didn't happen during the coronavirus, et cetera, et cetera. All right. So coming up, we're going to be talking about that brand new Elantra for 2021. Uh, it's a huge hit already around the world. Will the new one be a huge hit? The uh, launch of it got, I would say, digitized. We went to the web because we couldn't go to L.A. I was supposed to be down there to drive the new Sonata Hybrid, which we're going to have someone on to talk about soon. Um, now they're shipping it up to me from, from L.A., 
which is, I don't know, that's a good thing, I guess. And uh, we'll also talk about their new concept car as well. Staying safe, don't forget ourautoexpert.com is where you can listen to all previous episodes of the show and enjoy reading stuff if you have nothing else to do. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show at our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all the past shows, see automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. Uh, I will tell you that I had a very full schedule for the next three months, was flying all over the world, Germany, England, uh, and Japan, to see unveilings of cars, test drive new cars, and everything came to a screeching halt in the last two weeks, clearly because we're trying to have people not travel, to do as little travel as possible and health and safety is always the number one for everybody one of the events i was very sad to miss out on but got to see it electronically was the launch of the new 2020 hyundai 2021 hyundai elantra which uh, we are being joined on the phone by michael evanoff to talk about it uh, that and of course your ev prophecy so first of all uh, this was probably a hard decision a hard and easy decision to make uh, michael to, to really uh, have the the launch go online, go digitally because of the corona outbreak. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we just want to minimize, you know, whatever risk um, necessary, um, but still, you know, went on with the show as planned uh, up in Hollywood, and you know, wanted to bring it to the world and, and show the all new 2021 Elantra. Um, but just minimize as much exposure as possible. I did sit at home with a gin and tonic watching it, which was uh, quite yeah. fun. It was probably what I would have had in my hand if I had been at the Lot Studios in West Hollywood during the announcement. So this is one of the most successful cars in your lineup. What's changed for 2021? So 2021, um, all new design, obviously. We've sold over 3.4 million Elantras um, in the United States uh, since its introduction. Um, but it's, you know, all new styling, uh, parametric design is what we're calling it. Uh, it builds on it, the uh, sensual sportiness design language that we're currently using overall. Um, but it's very, very aggressive, very sporty, uh, trying to bring, you know, Elantra back to the, um, to the sporty side of the, of the segment because um, competition. Sedans still are important. There's still a, an area for sedans. I mean, the segment is still huge both mid-size and compact segments. Um, and so we want to make sure that Elantra is competitive and, you know, matches up with its rivals. One of the things that you did with the Sonata, which got a lot of attention, especially at night, was you had uh, some big changes to the headlights, including that uh, oh. silver uh, piece that goes up the side of the headlight, the chrome yep. that actually lights up. And when you look at the front of the Elantra, it looks like these lights actually sweep across into, you know, the all, almost halfway down the fender. Well, it, it, with, it, with Elantra, I mean, the, the LED daytime running lights are integrated into the headlamp assembly but what i think is really huge is in the back it's it's like an h pattern and it goes from from one side to the other so it really gives uh an impression of width um because we want to make obviously smaller cars look bigger so and elantra now is longer lower wider uh and anytime you make that kind of move uh for stance it, it definitely makes it uh, proper proportions 
you've used some optical illusions at the back there because even though the car is uh, you know regular car shape you sort of carved into the back of the vehicle where the beginning of that h light is and it it's mm-hmm. almost makes the back look round but at the same time you put a spoiler above it which makes it or or semi spoiler i guess i would call it and makes it yeah. look uh, it, it's just very very cleverly designed yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't take credit for that, but uh, the designers worked really hard. They just definitely wanted to bring Elantra back um, and make it, you know, aggressive, sporty, and, and give it that signature look. The other thing is, do you have uh, do you have any association with the TV show, show Zorro? Because it has a nice Z carved into the side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the side graphics um, definitely are unique and very, um, very complex i guess i can say uh that's what we call that that parametric uh, design technology um but yeah it definitely gives it that z look and um it integrates very well into the side profile a lot of times these vehicles uh the public are asking for as you said a sensuous sporty design which you've given them mm-hmm. but also these vehicles are they're not shrinking they're getting larger longer wheelbase wider stance lower roof line much more sports mm-hmm. car-esque Right. Yep, definitely. Um, that's what with the Elantra, with, with the new proportions, um, I, I guess it's all about proportions. Uh, and that's what's, you know, in, when you have a sedan and you're trying to compete against CUVs, uh, that's your advantage. Because I think with CUVs, you're a little bit more limited with what you can do with proportions. Um, sedans, you can push the limits. Uh, Elantra hybrid for the first time ever. And I'm, yep. I'm, 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 what's written in front of me for fuel economy uh, looks like it's a mistake. 50 miles per gallon? Yeah, over over 50 is a target. Wow. Um, yeah, so definitely. And especially with, like, we just launched um, Sonata Hybrid as well, and which gets 52 combined. Um, so, yeah, we're pushing that even further with uh, Elantra, obviously, given because it's a little bit smaller, a little bit lighter. Um, but definitely it's, you can have everything you need in a sedan. You're also including a lot of the technology that we saw on Sonata is now sort of trickling down to uh, Elantra as well. Yep. So one of the biggest things I think on Elantra is wireless uh, Apple CarPlay and wireless Android Auto. So that'll be available with our 8-inch display audio unit. So you don't have to plug in, just drop your phone, keep it wherever you need to. Um, So you can have wireless CarPlay, also Hyundai Digital Key, which we launched on Sonata as well. Uh, will also be introduced uh, with with Elantra. So you can use your smartphone as a key if you want. Um, you can share keys with other people or family members or, or whomever. Um, so it's another option just to give you more accessibility. And, and it uses multiple different ways to communicate with the car. It sort of it uses Bluetooth and NFC, and, and this mm-hmm. depends yep. on how far you are away with the car. It still has communications at all time, right? Yep, exactly. So with NFC, um, basically just take your phone, put it right up to the to the door panel or the door handle um, within half a, half an inch or so. Uh, you can unlock the car, drop the phone into the wireless charger, and then start the car, and you're done. Good news for American Jobs. This is going to be produced in the United States. Um, yes, both the United States and in our um, Ulsan Korea factory. And so, 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 dual, so dual source. Yeah, and so United States will start probably the fall of this year. I'm guessing the cars yep. are probably going to yep. hit dealerships in the fall. I would think so. Probably November, December timing, um, roughly. Just Who knows? In, just <laughs> right in now, time for Christmas, right, Jen? 
Yep. <laughs> I don't know. I can't wait to talk about the prophecy. It's so gorgeous. <laughs> Let's do that in the last couple of minutes. You have a you have an EV yep. concept called the prophecy. Tell us about that. Yeah, so the prophecy follows up on our 45 concept we showed towards the end of last year, which was more CUV-based. Um, prophecy is stunning. Um, it's like a weathered stone. It's, it's very... Um, very unique as far as the one line from the from the front to the rear, the sh- the silhouette, um, just very stunning looking. Once again, stances everything, um, but yeah, we're just lo- looking to to push the alternative fuel forward. What's uh, the chances of this being made? Because a lot of times car companies make great imaginable, you know, unimaginable concept cars, concept. but that's all yeah. there are, concept cars. Yeah. So d- yeah. does Hyundai have a reputation for actually taking these vehicles and making them or at least making some version of them? Yeah, I think so, definitely, because um, we're, we're very committed to this. Um, so I think you'll see some sort of version of this in the, in the future. I mean, you already have a fairly good electric lineup. You have uh, mm-hmm. a couple of electric cars in the fleet. You have the Kona, and then you right. have the Ionic. I the, think yep. I think the black version should be called the Hematite Prophecy because it looks like Hematite. <laughs> oh, all right. Have you ever the stone? Yeah. Have you the, seen well, that? Michael's a person to talk yeah. to. Or Magnetite. He, he, uh, it's he, beautiful. Magnetite. Yeah, you, he's a person magnetite. to talk to. Uh, yeah. So what's what's going to happen with <laughs> uh, with the electrification of uh, Hyundai? Still going forward uh, in these uncertain times. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've we've announced um, 13 alternative fuel vehicles by 2022, uh, whether that be hybrid, plug-in hybrid, full EV, fuel cell. Um, so we're definitely supporting the market every way we can. Oh, excellent. Michael Evanoff from yep. Hyundai, you are an amazing company. Thank you so much for taking some time out to join us. I'm super excited, and I'm still uh, getting ready to order uh, my new full-size SUV. Hopefully it's going to be a Hyundai. We'll find that out. All right, more to come on the show. John Vincent going to join us on the phone. What happens if you can't make a car payment? Well, we'll tell you some solutions. We've got them right here at Our Auto Expert. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. Our Auto Experts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us, uh, ask car questions, and just direct messages on all the social media channels. John Vincent works for the U.S. News and World Report. Uh, John wrote an interesting article this week, what you, what you should do if you can't make your car payment. So, John, what should you do? Well, the first thing you should do is contact your lender. It sounds kind of counterintuitive, like you'd like to hide that from your lender that you can't make your payment. But in today's world, you need to call your lender because they don't want you to default, you don't want to default, and they're doing things to help you not do that. And so uh, we have to look at this. What happens if you can get a better interest rate outside of your lender, or should you be contacting someone else if you can't make your payment? What if your payment's directly with the car company? Uh, Most of the car companies, their finance companies, have set up uh, hotlines so you can uh, give them a call and work out a deferment for a few months. Um, or refinance. Now, do they look at the possibility of you going back to work? Is this just being temporary, or are we looking at completely, uh, you know, refinancing your loan, or is it just sort of a push the pause button? Uh, it's right now. It's kind of a push the pause button because nobody knows exactly what's happening. So they're looking at uh, sixty to ninety day deferments on your on your payments. What uh, what is the situation? So you call them and you say, "Hey, I've lost my job, or I can't make my car payment because of other reasons." Do they go through a bunch of questions with you, or what's their plan? Sure, they're going to go through a bunch of questions about uh, your financial health. 
um, the prospects of getting another job, uh, that kind of thing. But in the end, they want to see you succeed, so they're going to do whatever they can to, uh, to you know, pause your payments. Um, you won't have late fees. Your interest will continue to accrue, but you just won't have to make your payments for the next couple of months. And then uh, once they've deferred that, you have to obviously look at the long term. Is it just a put on pause or does everybody else have a different way of looking at things? I mean, depending on the financial institution, do they have a different way of looking at things? It depends on the company. Um, Definitely different companies, different lenders have different ways of looking at things. Um, There are some kind of lower tier lenders who will be very aggressive about getting your car back. Um, And those are lenders that you probably should not have borrowed money from in the first place. But um, if you're in that situation, um, giving your car back earlier um, than later is probably a good thing because it won't cost you as much money. Right. What, uh, what's the situation if you, uh, if you have a loan and your payments are a little high? You can still make them, but you'd like them to be a little lower. What is the, where is the window for you to say, hey, maybe I should refinance, et cetera? So the Federal Reserve lowered a benchmark interest rate last month or last, last week, actually. Things are moving fast. Um, but those, um, that rate is not directly um, reflected in the market. It'll take a little bit of time for that to be reflected in the market. So what you want to start doing is start comparison shopping amongst different lenders to see who's dropping those rates. And when it gets down another, you know, a point or two below where your current uh, loan is, that's when you want to think about refinancing. There are some silly refinancing plans out there, like GM offering 0% financing for up to seven years for those credit borrowers who have great credit. Yeah, that's actually not a refinance. That's a financing option that's available on a new purchase. So seven years, 0% financing. Um, can you do less years for 0%? Uh, sure. Because obviously they want you to pay it back sooner rather than later. Well, yeah, and generally you want to avoid seven-year loans, but when it's 0%, that's kind of the exception to the rule. We did. I, I know that in the last financial crisis we had that uh, Hyundai was one of the companies that were saying, you know, you could uh, lose your job and we'll make your payments for so long. Is there any car companies with that sort of deal sitting out there? Yes. Hyundai and Genesis have rolled that program back out. So if you buy a, a new Hyundai or Genesis right now and you lose your job, they will make up to six loan or lease payments to help you back, get back on your feet. All right. And uh, so good or bad time to buy a new car? The question is going to become is, can you buy a new car? All right. Uh, because um, service departments are staying open, but with shelter-in-place orders and stay-at-home orders, uh, car dealers are going to be closing their sales sites. All right. So uh, maybe buying online, was, which is what I've been touting for years anyway, uh, is probably a better way to go. Buying online and getting the car delivered straight to your house may be the best way to go for a while. That's one of the best things to be in media. I have a protected job, so I can I can still go out and do things like research and buying a car. Uh, John, if we want more information about this, where do we go? We go to usnews.com. Um, and US News, if you follow our coronavirus um, daily uh, email, Uh, You get a lot of great news without the hype that you're seeing from a a lot of other news outlets. All right. John Vincent from the U.S. News and World Report. Thank you very much. Letting us know what to do if you can't make your car payment. Let's go to the other end of the scale. And coming up next, we're going to talk about just something that's pretty ridiculous. Uh, uh, The first American hypercar. Uh, First car to be made in America, which is a hypercar. It has a massive price tag and... Hyper excited. Yeah. Hyper excited. (laughs) That's coming up next. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. 
Are you thinking about changing your car? Read some of the most informative car reports and see some of the videos that we've made at our newest tech, some of the latest vehicles. You can do it all at ourautoexpert.com. Plus, download the uh, very, very cool podcast, which is what we make out of this show every week. All right, so taking your mind off of the current world situations and uh, looking at something that we we can still dream for free, by the way. Dreaming and test driving is still something we can do for free. Uh, this got me drooling and everybody in our studio drooling. Zinger introduced their 21C. Uh, Jens Ferdrup is joining us on the phone. He is the COO. So I have, until I saw your beautiful car unveiled, Jens, I did not know anything about the history of Zinger. So tell us a little bit about the company, how it started and what the plan is. Well, uh, first of all, a little correction. Uh, I'm a CCO, actually, not a COO. Uh, okay. That's minor. Uh, um, yeah, so it, it's it's, a, it's a basically a, a brand new brand where we uh, we started a year ago, uh, but the car has been under development for four years. It is largely based uh, on the technology developed by a company called Divergent, which is also our uh, main shareholder. Um, so that's a tech company. So uh, and then we saw an opportunity to prove, you know, that we had a technology, you know, that could benefit, you know, automotive production, basically. Uh, and nothing is better than to show it with a Halo product uh, in terms of brand building as well, to really show, you know, how far you can take technology, innovation, and just pure, uh, you know, creativity to see what you can come up. So that's the basis of the brand I, I will tell you that I hope that this all your cars are as beautiful as this because uh, if this the if this is the halo it's certainly a, an amazing halo vehicle to have and really all of this was done in house you developed a lot of the vehicle in house yeah that's uh, that's right so so yeah chassis design you know drivetrain pretty much everything is done in house and and obviously we're building a solid IP out of this and uh, and also building for the future, for future models to come out. So that's, uh, that's the idea of it. There's, you're not going to be mass producing this vehicle, obviously being such a, an incredible hypercar. You'll probably just uh, build, uh, I think it's under 100 that you're going to build. That's correct, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's still a very labor-intensive car to build with three, 4,000 man-hours per car. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're capping the, um, the production to 80 cars, which... Uh, which we think it's the right number, basically, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean that's 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 enough for us to start with, basically, because uh, it takes so much time to craft these cars to get the finish up to a level where our competitors are or better. And this is something actually it's never been done in America before. I think uh, where a, where a hypercar brand comes to market, you know, to to compete with the very, very best of the European offerings. So, I mean, the, the attention to detail and quality, fit and finish is really, really up there, really high. So uh, it's a very new thing for America, for sure. 
I will. I, I'm surprised at the amount of time it takes to build, and clearly a very complicated car. And we talk about something like a Rolls Royce or a Bentley. We're talking about man hours, hand built cars, about 400 man hours yeah. uh, in one yeah. of those. So, so this is this is extreme. This is three times what it takes to build one of those cars. You know, four times, ten times, depending on uh, which different yeah. model you're talking about. But not only that, uh, you, we talk about vehicles being off the hook. Uh, I just recently drove the BMW X6M, which is one of my favorite cars. That has 603 horsepower, but this has over double that. Yeah, I mean, everything is taken to the very, very extreme, of course. Uh, so it's not only the horsepower, it's also the lightweight. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a European, I'm in kilos, but I guess we're pounds, 2,500, 2,600 pounds. Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, pretty close. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the light weight, of, of course, is probably half the weight of the BMW, uh, almost. So, so it's it's an extremely responsive, you know, high performance driving instrument. You could you could put it almost. So, so it's very hard to explain the driving experience if you haven't driven other similar types of vehicles. Uh, so obviously it's more comparable to the, the Aston Martin Valkyrie and the, uh, the Mercedes Project One and you know, obviously the Koenigsegg. Uh, so that's, that's more of the class of vehicle it is. And revolutionary engineering, never seen before, uh, you know, reg revolutionary engineering in this vehicle p combines the structural systems plus cooling and fluid routing, this sort of thing. It, it sounds like you probably have some of the most advanced automotive engineers here because this was not business as usual. You basically took it and said, let's do things differently. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we have automotive engineers, of course, but also we have people from, from the space industry. We have people from you know, the aircraft industry and people from Google, Apple, etc. They've just taken the best you know, scientists uh, you know, we can for whatever application we can use them. So, uh, so we're, uh, you know, that's where we're different from the others, I think. So, basically, you know, it has enabled us to think out of the box a whole lot and not be stuck in the old ways of, of manufacturing cars because a lot of our guys comes from other industries. So, so that's certainly one of the, uh, one of the secrets behind it, for sure. We always like to uh, judge these vehicles in our small, unscientific minds, or at least my un small, unscientific mind, in uh, their zero to 60 or zero to whatever speed. This seems to go um, unnecessarily fast. Fantastically fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, there are you know tracks you can do these on, so... We just want to push the boundaries, basically, of what's possible, you know, physically. Uh, and, uh, I mean, yeah, some might think it's unnecessarily fast with a 0 to 62 time in 1.9. But, uh, I mean, if you try it, I think you'll understand the purpose of it. So, uh, you know, whether that's preferably, you know, under safe conditions, on a closed road or on a track. But it's, it's really, really a special experience. Um, I, I well, I'm hoping that I will sometime open my email and have an invite to go try it with you. Uh, that would be amazing. Uh, let's talk about what's under the hood of this. So you have a hybrid powertrain. Yes. Uh, developed a mid-engine, 2.8, 8 liter. Um, it, it, that seems to be 
is it, I presume it's the power to weight ratio that makes this so fast off of the line, but it seems to be uh, a regular a regular V8 engine. Uh, well, yeah, uh, defined regular. It's a very small capacity uh, V8, and the reason we had to develop that is because uh, of packaging, basically, because we have the two inline seating, which makes packaging very challenging. So we had to develop an extremely compact drivetrain. So, uh, so the uh, the V8 is the 2.88 liter twin turbo uh, V8 actually, and it revs all the way up to an 11,000 RPM redline. It sounds like a sounds like a Formula One engine of the other cars. Wow, an amazing uh, soundtrack. And then, and and then that's made There was going to say. Yeah, yeah, then you get you get the high you get this the two high output uh, uh, flux motors. So then you yeah. you combine the electric motors to it. Yeah, that's, that's right, and and they have torque vectoring and everything to get the uh, basically to get, to get the grip down. So so at this moment, we're pretty optimal. You know, there's no tires around that can give us any quicker acceleration. Although in the future, you know, there will be, but at at the moment, we are as optimized as we can be. So you're limited by the tires you have on the vehicle. You th- so if you had better tires, you think you could get a, a faster speed. Yeah, that's, that's that that is the limiting factor. You you it comes you come to a stage where you cannot just put more power out because you just don't have grip from the tires basically, and that it's just not there yet. Uh, but it will be. Tire development is going forward rapidly, so in a couple of years, you know, you will see even crazier numbers. Wow. Uh, that actually has me floored. It takes a lot to get me floored, but limited by the tires. I'll have to reach out to my friends at Pirelli and ask them uh, what, what's what's up with that. They should get their act together and get you some better tires. <laughs> so, yeah. And just so We're people, Michelin. All right. And just so people <laughs> yeah. understand, that's zero to two hundred and forty-eight miles per hour in twenty-nine seconds. Yeah. That is oh. pure power. That's exciting. <laughs> uh, co- correction there actually zero to two for the eight to zero so it's actually back to standard. oh wow yeah okay that's makes cool. it even more impressive yeah yeah that's even better yeah. uh the quarter mile time uh, 8.1 seconds is what you have registered here uh zero to 62 in 1.9 seconds which is plenty fast enough for me by the way it seems like you probably had to develop a lot of different materials to work in this uh, vehicle De- definitely uh, getting into such a small space but also uh you know lightweight materials and strong materials because when you get up to those sort of speeds the car has to be able to handle it so it's obviously we've developed, you know, we use a lot of 3D printing, as you're probably aware of. Uh, so the idea is we just take whatever material is best for whatever application it's needed. So if, if for example, a full carbon tub was str- lighter and stronger, we would use that. Now we're using a hybrid version where the, our tub is made of aluminium, titanium and pre-break carbon. So, so we're just using whatever material is best, where it's best, basically. And we're trying to use as little material as possible whilst the training uh, uh, strength. So that's, that's the core idea of it. And that's the only way we could get to you know, a vehicle that is as light and strong as this. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, who's going to buy this, because you unveiled it in London. But where do you think the core of your buyers are going to come from? Um, it's uh, today. It seems like a fifty-fifty split. Actually, where uh, the half of the other customers are uh, U.S. buyers, 
Uh, and then the rest is divided on uh, Europe, uh, Middle East and Asia, where the highest concentration today is Europe. I think this might change, obviously. There's a lot going on these days. But, but today, that's what it looks like. It's beautiful. And, uh, if, uh, if, if I'm going to buy one of these, what's my next step? Who do I reach out to? Where do I send my check? Here in the U.S., we have already signed up a few uh, dealers. So, so we have dealers in L.A., we have dealers in Miami, we have dealers up in Northern California, and there's more coming. So, uh, so obviously, to, to complete the transaction, needs to go to a dealer. Uh, so uh, that's, that's the safest way. Um, at the moment, we've taken quite a few orders. So, so there's two to two and a half years waiting line at this stage, so, uh, so which is not so bad. In this industry, you know, compared to the normal car industry, it might be a long time to wait. But compared to our competitors, it's actually a pretty short lead time. How, how have you announced pricing yet? Yeah, yeah. So base price for the U.S. market is 1.7 million U.S. dollars base. Just to let options ju- and taxes. Just to let you know, I might need two and a half years to work out how to raise that amount of money. But I'm, well, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going well, to try. That's the beauty. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the beauty. That's why we have down payment schedules. It's divided in three. Uh, normally, in this uh, in this industry, you always have. Um, I, I wonder if I can actually make the down payment. Uh, am I right in saying this has a surfboard holder? Pardon? Does it have a surfboard holder? Uh, actually, optional. Yes, yes. We have both uh, surfboard holders and and bike holders actually, because all of us are massively into. You know, outdoor sports. That's so, uh, so, yeah, for those who want it, we will provide for sure. Jens, thanks so much. You can go to zinger.com, uh, go to the website. It's uh, C Z I N G E R. Thanks for joining us. I'm going to go count my pennies right now. <laughs> Me too. You're listening to the R Auto Expert Podcast. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northeast to the southwest, this is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on mobile, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with truck girl, Jen. Uh, I have to tell you, Jen, that uh, I dream uh, about new cars to go to sleep at night. That's how I do it. Just what am I going to buy in my driveway next? I can't do that because I get too excited about them, then I can't sleep. Really? The opposite. Oh, yeah. I oh. would love to have a Zinger. I would love to have the wide body Hellcat. Or, you know, <laughs> but you know. You'd love to have a new Ram 1500. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you are a truck girl, Jen. Yes, but I, but the, the, I love the Hellcat. You do? Uh, yeah. Who doesn't love the Hellcat? Uh, I love anything where the uh, the back wheels go skidding around. Uh, and that wide know. body. Oh, yeah. it's just so much fun. You really? Well, you drove it. <laughs> you know how much well, fun it is. Let's have our friend on the phone then. Ashton, <laughs> Ashton from Dodge is joining us to talk about uh, you guys have a great scheme going on now uh, where it's really horsepower. The, the more horsepower it has, the, the more money you get off of it. Uh, that's the basis, right? Is that right, Ashton? That's right. Hey, Nick. Hey, Jan. How's it going today? Hi. So uh, tell us about uh, tell us about your great deals on these cars because everybody I know wants uh, a nice shiny new Dodge in their driveway, and yet you you have the option to uh, get some deals on some horsepower. There is some awesome deals going on right now. It was getting me excited just hearing you guys talk about how <laughs> <in> the driveway. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so we're doing, we're bringing back power dollars. We did it for 2019. We're, we're kind of doubling up on it again for 2020, uh, just because it, it did awesome in, in 2019. Um, all of our fans were talking about it and posting their new cars and, and what crazy deals they got off. Um, but it really turned into something really powerful, and it's really simple. It literally just it makes it that much easier for, for you to get into one of these high-horsepower cars um, and for these horsepower addicts to join the fun. It's very simple. It's 10 bucks a horsepower. Um, and that goes for every single Challenger Charger trim. So that's all the way from your V6s, $3,000 off on three, 300 horse on the, on the FXT Charger. And that goes all the way up to the Challenger Red Eye, which is essentially $8,000 off a brand new, uh, 797 horsepower Challenger. All right. So let me ask you this. Are you a Challenger or a Charger man? Oh, I'm a charger man. I uh, yeah, charger. Yeah. I'm a little biased. But... <laughs> yeah, I like the challenge. I win. Yeah, <laughs> uh, um, yeah I... I'm, a, I'm, I'm a charger guy. That that thing looks so mean now, especially like Jen was saying with the wide body kit on it. Mm-hmm. It just, it, I mean, when you thought of a four door sedan, uh, the charger is probably something that comes to mind, but very unexpected uh, to look like and, and perform like that. I'm a, I'm a total. The, the best thing you but could ever do, by the way, is bring. It's the best mommy car. I mean, really, a Hellcat well, Red Eye. You got kids in the back, and yeah, it's a two door though. Why wouldn't you have a four door? Oh, I was thinking Charger. <laughs> I, I always do that. I always get them mixed up. Didn't you buy your son a Charger? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, what kind? What Charger? He's got the RT. Oh, perfect. Yeah, he uh, I, loves it. I have to tell you that the local police around here have a bright blue charger, like a metallic, uh, what's the super bright blue color called? Whatever it is, they got one of uh, those. E5 blue, probably. Yeah, and it's really bright blue. And people see that, and they'll rev their engine at the light, and someone <laughs> will go, yeah, I'll show you, take off. And then they flip the lights on, like, uh, hey, calm it down there, buddy. They're actually pretty good, because they'll just go, hey, slow down there, buckaroo. And uh, and they, they, they're not, you know, they don't only give tickets to people that are being real idiots. But it's uh, I, I watch it happen all the time, just at the end of my road. Uh, they always seem to be cruising past there. That's the thing I like best about this car is that uh, when you come up behind somebody, they look at it, especially if it's not a crazy color, like if it's black or white or something, they look at it and go, huh. That's a cop. I wonder if that's a cop. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. All black chargers and yep. black explorers. Uh, and and you know, it's just interesting that they, they look at it like that. All right, so um, the Brotherhood of Muscle is what you, uh, if you know, you know, right? The Brotherhood of Muscle is the the group of people who buy these Dodge uh, vehicles. It's amazing. Um, and it's $10 per horsepower. Does it go from the very base models all the way up to the Red Eyes? Yeah, it goes from every single model all the way in between. So, so 300 horsepower uh, on the Charger FXPs, 305 on the Challengers, and then you have the in-between, like the RT, like Gen Sun. Uh, 370 and 375 horse, then the Scat Packs 485, Hellcat 707, 717, and then all the way up to the Challenger Red Eye at 797. Um, does it? Can we do it with the uh, with Durangos too or not? Uh, 2019 was Durango. 2020 is just on Chargers and Challengers, uh, but we did just announce um, basically zero. 
uh, zero payment for 90 days on Durango and zero zero percent financing for 84 as well. Wow. I'm te- uh, that's separate from this power dollars, though. I'm texting Tim Kaniskas right now, asking him to include the Durango in this because it's, it's ridiculous. I want to. Uh, by the way, when's the Durango Hellcat coming? Oh, I, I wish I could talk about anything besides Chargers. That was great. Uh, dude, if I hadn't thrown that in, it Did you notice we held our breath? <laughs> Everybody sucked it. You, you should see, like, what I'm surrounded by glass here. There's a studio with glass, and everybody in the room went, <gasps> Hold your breath. Next door, as soon as I said that. Because they all know I'm not supposed to ask those questions. But I always ask what I'm not supposed to ask, because otherwise they're... By the way, you put 33 million horsepower into the hands of performance enthusiasts. Is that right? In 2019? It's wild. So, so even crazier than that. So last, in 2019, in August, we tried to hit 500 million horsepower by the end of the year. Um, we ended up hitting that in October. And then from October to the end of the year, we, all, we put an additional 33 million horsepower uh, into the hands of our performance enthusiasts across the U.S. That's awesome. George, do you know, Ashton, do you know how ridiculous this is? Do you know how ridiculous this is? It's so ridiculous. It's ridiculous I'm gonna, and it's easy. I'm going to sleep so well at night, so well at night. More than 11 million followers across social media channels. If you want to go see them, of course, you can go to ourautoexpert.com, and your second choice should be to go to dodge.com because you could <laughs> – but you want to go see some of our reviews. We, we actually did a whole bunch of reviews on these vehicles. Absolutely love them. Thanks for uh, spending part of your uh, day with us today. It's always fun to talk about the brotherhood of muscle. More Our Auto Expert coming up. We're going to talk to Davis Adams about the Thai bar. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. All right, catch up with previous episodes of the show at our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all the past shows, see our automotive videos, and read insider car stories for your next ride. Find it all at ourautoexpert.com. He is hunkered down because everybody is hunkered down due to the coronavirus right now, but he's managed to pick up the phone and uh, have a conversation with us about one of our favorite new vehicles, the uh, Honda Type R. Davis Adams joining us on the phone. Davis, uh, this was shown for the first time at the Chicago, was it Chicago Auto Show this year? Uh, yes. Well, yeah, yes. It's for the U.S. Yes, absolutely. We showed it in uh, in Chicago last month. And this Type R, I have to say, is one of my favorite rides. Uh, you got to give us some track time in Washington State on the last version of the of the vehicle. This brand new Type R takes it to the next level. So what have you done to make me even more mouth-watering? Yeah, Nick, so there are a lot of things that we've, uh, that we've changed on the Type R this time around. But most of them are kind of under the surface. If you look at the car... Um, just as you walk up to it, there are a couple small little changes here and there. You'll see there's some, uh, like the, the big air dams have changed a little bit, that kind of stuff. But really the changes to the car this time around are, uh, are, are mostly mechanical. So it's, it's all about uh, heat management for the engine and, it's, uh, and upgrading the suspension. Um, it's making it more comfortable on highway drives so it's a little more compliant, but then also quicker, uh, quicker even on the track. It's this is slightly different from a lot of the other hot hatches out there because this is based on a front wheel drive, and you guys worked very hard in the first generation to make sure when you did cornering with the vehicle and you obviously accelerated and braking, there wasn't a lot of uh, movement because of the front wheels. Uh, is that ride e- improved even more than it was the first time? 
Well, I think uh, what, what you're talking about there is we have our kind of our dual knuckle suspension that really helps mitigate um, any kind of torque steer with the car, which was always it was it was a concern people had before they ever drove Type R that uh, having all that power to the front wheel yeah. would kind of, would make them a little bit un, you know unwieldy and and, uh, and and shaking around when you first hit the gas. But I think what you guys have seen uh, since then is that a we've managed it really beautifully and. We haven't changed that system much. Uh, you know what what works don't break or you know don't change. But um, but we are you know like a lot of the stuff that has changed underneath is is really about kind of highway compliance and track use. And I don't think it was that uncomfortable driving it on a highway. I mean, not that I spent a lot of time driving on a highway because most of the time was spent <laughs> either driving on the track or around corners. Uh, the the whole idea of the Type R is this is for people that really wanted to step above the SI, right? Yeah, I mean, so as you know, prior to 2017, the Civic SI had always been kind of the the hottest version of Civic in the U.S. Um, and now it kind of is the warm version <laughs> of Civic. Uh, type R is is really the pinnacle product that we uh, that we sell. And what's really cool about Type R is that it's also the the basis for a lot of our racing programs. So we not only can you buy a Type R that you know you can drive to the street every single day, but we we take them out and we race them in both the TC and TCR classes, um, and we'll sell those to you, too, if you have a racing license. Oh, okay. Well, I need to know what I have to get to get uh, one of those versions of the vehicle. Uh, the other thing I always enjoyed about it is you made it stand out and looking different from a lot of the other vehicles. It had, uh, for the first time in the U.S., you had a different badging system on the, the Type R. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's funny because if you look over, you know, if you look at, other markets, you know, outside of the U.S., the red Honda badge has always meant something, and we've never really brought it here, with the exception to uh, the Acura Integra Type R uh, from the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, that red badge is a big deal for us, and that's exactly what the Type R wears. It's, it's, it's kind of reserved for only the highest level performance that Honda sells, and so when you see a red badge coming up on you, you're going to realize this is, it, it's one of the Civic Type R's, and it's a pretty rare car. As a pretty fast car. I like, you know, what I like most about that is walking through parking lots at car shows and seeing other vehicles with a red badge on and going, huh, fake, aftermarket, <laughs> fake, fake. When I learned that from you, because people people were ordering them online and putting them on their vehicles just to make them stand out a little bit. Uh, the the a lot of the interior stuff on the Type R was exclusive to the vehicle as well. You couldn't get it on any other kind of Civic, uh, including the seats. Yeah, so the seats are. Um are, are heavily bolstered, but they're very comfortable. Um, the entire interior of Type R is pretty bespoke in general. So what you're looking at is, is, is big, sporty, uh, bolstered seats. You're looking at, um, it, it has a special shift knob. It has, you know, the, the new one has the new Alcantara steering wheel. It has an Alcantara shift boot. Um, and then also for Type R, and kind of the first thing, you know, first time that we've added this to Type R, new for this model year, is we've also standardized the Honda Sensing suite of driver and safety aids. So not only can you have this car that is capable of, you know, awesome, awesome times of track and that kind of stuff, but you can also, uh, you know, put it into auto cruise control when you're heading down the highway and that kind of stuff. And it's and it's just like a normal car with modern safety systems on it. it. Yeah, really sort of taking the next step to make it an everyday car as well as something that you can race around the track with all those. And that was going to be my, ne my next question, but all the safety systems as well. I noticed that there's – I'm looking at a picture of one here that is in Phoenix yellow. Is that a new color? Because uh, there were limited colors available in the Type R. 
Well, so so the Phoenix Yellow, that's that's super special, right? So what you're talking about there is uh, is our new Civic Type R limited edition. Um, it's going to come, and it, it's a very rare vehicle. We're only bringing 600 of them to U.S. Um, and essentially, that car is is dialed up just a little bit extra to really be that much quicker on the track. It's lighter weight. It has more aggressive tires. It has more aggressive brakes. Um, and, and it'll be the only Type R that we offer in Phoenix Yellow, too. Now, Phoenix Yellow is a historic color for us. Like I mentioned before, the Integra Type R, that was also offered in that color. Um, so it's a color that's specific to Type R in the past, and it's something that we're excited to bring back to the market today. So not only is the this a special Type R, but it's a special, special, special Type R, uh, if you want to get a little more advanced, a little more aggressive in those things as well. The the regular Type R for 2021 goes on sale when? So the regular Type R actually just went on sale for okay. 2020. Um, so it, it actually it was... Yeah, four weeks ago. Um, but the, the, yeah, when's the limited edition, edition going? The twenty-one. Uh, so, so just a few months from now. All right. And that's numbered. They're all numbered, and there's six hundred of them. Is that correct? That's correct. They are all serialized. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? <laughs> Miss you. Uh, the uh, I, I I really like the the special edition, the limited edition, because uh, um, I think uh, it has all the updates plus some extra stuff. And of course, if you want to be one of six hundred people, there are people that buy these vehicles, the Type R, and they just basically don't drive them or get get very uh, limited on the amount of miles they do on them. But I always feel that this is a car that uh, begs to be driven, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you should drive it, right? Like, it's, it's made to be driven, and, and honestly, it's a Honda, so it, you can put the miles on it, and it'll hold up against time. But okay. I do think that the uh, the new limited edition, you know, save your pennies, because while we may not charge much for it, I think you remember what happened when the Type R went on sale originally, yeah. and our dealers um, really, really tried to capitalize <laughs> on the rarity of the car. Yeah. Right. Just wait and see what happens with this yellow one. Well, so I can can I pre-order my yellow one or is there pre-orders available yet? Go let your uh, your dealer know. All right, I have to call a Honda dealer now and pre-order my uh, my Type R. Uh Davis, did we get a price on the limited edition? We haven't priced it yet. So uh you give us probably about another month, we'll have a price out at that time. All right, and then you have to tell me that because I want to make sure my dealer charges the same price that you want to pay for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah you I, look, I, Mama wants a new fur coat. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy for the dealer to charge you whatever you can get out. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, you might be. I'm not necessarily that happy. Davis Adams, always uh, great to talk to you from Honda. He's the guy that has everything Honda under his belt and knows everything about Honda. And if you want your brand new Type R, your brand new Type R limited edition, you can always go to your local Honda dealer, check them out at uh, Honda's website as well. And uh, you can, of course, listen to previous episodes of this show on OurAutoExpert.com. We'll have all the latest information about this car. As soon as we get the pricing on that limited edition, uh, we'll post that so you know at the same time as we know. I, I really do feel that you know yellow is uh, yellow and red are probably my favorite car colors and the phoenix yellow is uh, definitely something that with i would black. with black and red calipers and a nice big wing on the back and all those extras as the limited edition and i'd be one of 600 it's how beautiful. special would i be <laughs> you're listening to the r auto expert podcast 
Our auto expert is on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can start a conversation with us. Find out what's happening in the car world. We'll be happy to answer your direct questions. Just use the Instant Messenger or the Direct Messenger app on your social media applications, and we will be happy to answer any questions that you have about cars, car financing, and the latest news stories which we have been taking care of. So there is an awful lot happening in the world thanks to the COVID-19 virus. That means that car companies are changing what they do. Joining us on the phone is Anton Wallman. He's an independent analyst and investor. You can read the majority of his stuff at Seeking Alpha or The Street. So, Anton, let's take a jump back and look out at uh, what's happening with COVID-19. Dealerships suffering a little bit because of this. Uh, they can't get people through the doors, which may be a good thing to keep them healthy, but it's not a good thing for the bank balance. No, this is uh, the biggest catastrophe that we have ever seen, bar none. I mean, I don't think 9-11 or the financial crisis, either of them come close to what we're seeing because... Uh, the governments around the country, many of them, not all of them, but many of them, have now taken the unprecedented step uh, as essentially telling the uh, car dealers that you are not allowed to be in business. I mean, you know, we uh, talk about what Vladimir Lenin did in the Soviet Union in the fall of 1917, but uh, this is akin to that. I mean, this is just banning private industry, and in this case, the industry uh, that is the subject matter at hand, which is the automotive industry. I mean, you are simply not allowed to sell and deliver cars, then you're barely allowed to manufacture them. So uh, this is basically uh, the biggest catastrophe you could ever uh, invent in your mind. It was completely unfathomable less than two years, two weeks ago. And But here we are, and yet uh, the ACLU is not uh, standing in front of the court steps asking for a temporary restraining order or filing for an injunction or anything like that. Uh, against these policies that are clearly infringing on the basic property rights of those who want to engage in commerce. So these are unprecedented times uh, to a greater extent than any one of us could have ever foreseen. Uh, You know, we take a look at this and we stand back, lower sales volumes this year. How's the end of the year going to look? Look, this is the answer to that question can only be uh, measured in a combination of two things. First of of all, how long does these do these shutdowns last? Are they going to be done in two weeks or maybe four weeks at the most? Uh, or are they going to last longer? Uh, I mean, I don't think the industry can last even two weeks without irreparable damage here. The other question that follows after that is that based upon the economic destruction, the so-called wealth effect, in other words, uh, basically how do households and businesses around the country feel with respect to their willingness to make capital investments, which really an automobile is, both from the point of view of a small or medium or large-sized business, as well as the point of view of an individual. How do they feel about making a capital investment? They really don't know what kind of income, or for that matter, what kind of taxes they are going to be facing in the future. And that would certainly suppress sales for a long time. And I'm not talking even about months or quarters, but for years beyond the end of whatever time that the shutdown is going to end here. Let's let's step out a little bit and look at this. Are we going to lose some of the smaller, more fragile automakers? Is it going to be the end of the road for them? Well, it certainly looks like this is uh, going in that direction. I think that if the uh, policymakers were to uh, press the relief button immediately, and say, stop these shutdowns and go back into it, 
I don't think we're at the point today where we are going to see a lot more consolidation than we were facing prior to it. But if you wait another two to four weeks, I think that all bets are off because the industry uh, is, of course, a very uh, capital-intensive industry with a lot of fixed costs, and they cannot afford for capacity utilization and for sales to fall for a long period of time. So if this lasts another month, I think that um, you know we could be looking at some extremely dire scenarios here. So we can only hope that policymakers uh, reverse course on on these uh, quarantines and realize that there are there are that this, the cost is simply too big to bear for for society. There is a you know you can you know a life it's not worth an infinite amount of, of dollars. It is uh, there's a price for everything, and if we are all going to have to pay you know, $100,000 per household in order to uh, go through saving a few thousand lives, then I think most people are going to start to question, why are we doing this? Because this is only a matter of postponing the time at which we are going to be exposed to this virus as opposed to getting it uh, perhaps a little sooner than we would have otherwise. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk about what automakers are doing right now. We're going to talk about the long-term changes and will this impact electric car sales? Perhaps could be the end of the road for that as well. We're talking to Anton Warman. We'll take a quick break and come back and address some of those problems and many more as Our Auto Expert continues. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Are you thinking about changing your car? Maybe for good reasons. The car you have doesn't currently fit your lifestyle. Some of those most important information about cars can be seen uh, at our videos or read on our website, ourautoexpert.com. The latest car information is there. Also, this podcast, or this radio show is in podcast form. So what you can do is extract it, put it on your phone, and enjoy it in the luxury of your own living room, as most of, most of us are enjoying the rest of our lives. Joining us on the phone, and uh, he has been here for the last segment. He's back again with us this segment, independent analyst and investor Ant Anton Woolman. Anton's uh, most of majority of his stuff can be read at the street or seeking alpha. So, Anton, let's talk about uh, the the automaker's plea to government as being an essential part of what needs to continue right now. Yeah, so what we're hap what's happening so far is that local and state governments have issued orders that only so-called essential businesses are allowed to operate either uh, completely or at least in part. And as far as this concerns, the dealers around the country, the automotive dealers, it seems like all of the state and local governments have deemed that auto repair and service is essential. However, selling and delivering new cars are at the best ambiguous with most, if not all, uh, dealers around the country shutting down their uh, stores, and only a few of them, or at least some of them, uh, are in the business deal of delivering and selling cars. Basically, you essentially have to call the dealer, agree in a price, and go over there and sort of take delivery in the, you know, in the, in the parking lot, basically, and sign the paperwork. That works based upon the dealers that I've talked to, only with the dealers where there is a finance manager still on staff who is not home for whatever reason because they're either afraid to go in or have been essentially let go. So you, there needs to be a finance manager uh, from the dealer that can actually execute the regular paperwork in order for that to happen. So uh, in that mess and in this mix, 
I'm hearing anecdotally from car dealers around the country that uh, on average, sales are now down at least in the ballpark of 90%. So we're practically down to zero with essentially a small number of exceptions. That's how bad it is for right now. If your car breaks down, what are you going to do? Well, so as I said there, uh, auto repair and auto service uh, should still be on in essentially every geography around the country. So that has been deemed essential by every jurisdiction that I have checked on at the state and the local level. So auto repair, auto service, fine. It's really uh, when it comes to transacting new purchases where the restrictions now are the toughest and where uh, there is uh, very little being uh, done at the moment. Uh, it is also clear that the lobby that represents the auto dealers, uh, that they are trying to get some sort of bulk determination that that sort of business is going to also be deemed essential. But at this point, uh, as far as I know, at least as of yesterday, they were unsuccessful thus far. Are we going to see the end of lifestyle cars for a while? Are people only buying vehicles that are absolutely necessary for them? Are those those vehicles that are sort of more luxury and more uh, emotional buys uh, are probably going to get less and less as we look at what we might need to survive? That is the typical reaction for any scenario that even remotely resembles this scenario. And I would fully imagine that this will apply uh, probably more in this scenario now than it has in the recent crisis that we have seen, for example, during the financial crisis in the fall of 2008 and in the months that followed, as well as going back to 9-11. I think those right now look like almost small potatoes compared to this. So what you're suggesting there, Nick, I think is 100% accurate, is that people will buy only what they absolutely need. They will be very reluctant to buy a new vehicle at all, and they will probably focus on something that has some sort of almost military utility because people are thinking now more and more. I mean, you know that the lines in front of gun stores, right, are very, very long, and people are looking at, all right, well, what if this situation that we are currently looking into uh, evolves into some absolutely crazy uh, minor civil wars, civil unrest, you name it scenario. And they're probably thinking about what, what kind of vehicle would fit in more in that type of an environment. And I, I think that that is going to skew. I mean, people aren't going to go out and buy some Porsche in this environment. That's kind of what I'm saying here. Um, I, you know, arguably some of those dealers who are late to the party and didn't get digital uh, setups and aren't uh, set up to sell online are the ones that are going to suffer the most out of this. I mean, sales down, you think, around 90%? That's what I'm hearing anecdotally. I mean, some are down 100% because there simply is no finance manager on staff anymore to even process in order however it comes in. But I'm also hearing that Dealerships are trying, in many cases, to keep at least a finance person on staff who can execute phone orders so that you can call in and say, hey, I really need to buy a car because, you know, maybe the car that I had uh, couldn't be repaired. It just wasn't possible, and I need a new vehicle of some sort. And even if I'm buying a used vehicle from you, that's what it's going to be. It doesn't necessarily need to be a new car, but anything that you have. So, uh, yeah, clearly uh, at this point, people are, in many cases, I think, because of also the relatively low volume that we're talking about, choosing to transact these uh, remaining little tiny volume of vehicles via the good old-fashioned telephone.
I will tell you, you know, looking ahead of this, and I'm a positive individual, I think that we're going to recover from this just fine as long as we don't overreact. And I think a lot of the damage is being done not by the virus itself, but our, our reaction to the virus. Uh, we know it's going to it's going to be uh, spread quite widely. Uh, there's pretty much no way to stop that. Uh, you can slow it down. We talk about flattening the curve. But for long-term changes for the auto industry, uh, individually owned vehicles uh, is more popular less popular how are things going to work yeah it's, as you know nick it's a little bit difficult in times like these to look beyond the horizon because right now we're looking at really three stages over the horizon we're looking at right now we're looking at the shutdown which is horrific of course and then we're looking at eventually the recovery when the industry is going to undo frankly the whole economy is going to have to kind of return to some sort of normalcy but what you're asking is really the third stage of history here which is beyond the recovery. What is going to be the new normal? And then I would make the case that all other things equal, more and more people and companies are going to look to say, well, what are the lessons we can learn from this virus scare? And maybe, just maybe, on the one hand, individuals are going to rely a little bit more on individually driven vehicles, which probably means individually owned vehicles in the future, and being a little bit more reluctant to organizing their lives around taxes and mass transit, if at all possible. And then as a secondary reaction, both individuals and the companies that employ them may just say that, well, let's look at what happened here. We had too many people uh, focused and, and, and concentrated in a very small set of very highly metropolitan areas Maybe we should move a few percent of these people. We may not even be talking about 10%. Maybe it's not even a full 5%, but a few percent of our very large number of employee pools that sit in big office buildings and towers in and near the largest metropolitan areas in the United States, be it Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, etc. And let's try to, over the next three to five years, see if we can induce these people to move to more rural areas so we can be better insulated against whatever uh, uh, severe event, be it a virus or something else next time, that may come down the road. And if people do do that, then that means that a larger percentage of people will start moving to these more rural areas. And of course, when they do that, it almost follows automatically that they're going to be owning and driving their own cars as opposed to getting onto buses or trains that basically don't exist in the in the more rural areas of America. And we've seen, uh, we look at stats from public transport organizations, they're, they're saying that they're, they're down significantly. That also may be because everybody's working from home and less people are taking uh, rides into work or also a lot of the restaurants that are being shut down and those sort of uh, people who may be more inclined to take public transport are not because uh, their jobs are on suspension at this point too. Long-term prognosis for Uber and Lyft, bad investment, good investment, uh, problems with them even being around? Well, in the short term, of course, uh, even before this uh, crisis uh, over the last month or two, I think that Uber and Lyft had a very difficult economic model in which they were uh, engaged in this very long-term price war against each other. They were essentially selling their services below the variable cost. They the people that drove for them made a ridiculously small amount of money. And, of course, there was nothing left for Uber and Lyft themselves, even though they had almost zero fixed costs themselves. So this was essentially a price war, but the prices were kept artificially low. So they were coming into this crisis in a horribly, horribly weak situation. And I think that, um, you know, as we look at these trends going forward, 
Uh, I think that uh, once we go beyond the very unpredictable nature over the next year and start to approach the long-term uh, new equilibrium, I think that their position has not been improved. I think that this speaks a little bit more to the idea that maybe people should be, be a little bit more cautious about the sharing economy, maybe going back to a little bit more of owning and operating your own items, in this case, uh, the good old-fashioned automobile. Uh, things like alternative fuel economies, uh, fuel and cafe standards and electric cars, what's the outlook? Well, you would think that in a logical world based on pure supply and demand that those concerns are now more or less out the window and that people are going to look more and more toward more practical solutions and stop worrying so much about these first world problems. But as we know, with the situation of electric car cars already before going into this crisis, uh, the demand for electric cars had never anything to do with real supply and demand. It had everything to do with subsidies, uh, other incentives, and uh, mandates on the automakers as to how many uh, electric cars they need to sell effectively at the percentage of their total sales. So uh, this is going to be a purely arbitrary political decision. And you could see a scenario in which simply politicians just wouldn't care about these other basic concerns and just say, forget about this thing. We are going to simply continue to subsidize, incentivize, and indeed mandate a higher and higher share of electric cars, no matter what it costs the taxpayer or the society as a whole. So I, I am not optimistic in general that the politicians are going to use this opportunity to suddenly sober up in terms of telling people what they must produce and what they must purchase. So I, I at this point, am not assuming that there will be any change in the overall sort of trajectory of electric car sales, even though in the free market there probably would be. Um, so, you know, maybe automakers are going to spend a lot of their time really moving a lot of the sedans out of their uh, lineup and moving much strongly into SUVs and thinking about fuel economy as just uh, part of the SUV lineup rather than uh, alternative fuel economies. Long term, do we see there being a, a long or a short recovery in the auto industry? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I am just not very uh, optimistic because the uh, the actions that have been taken by uh, primarily uh, um, mayors and governors around the country have so overreacted to the situation that it really boggles the mind. And until that changes and, and there is there's a realization that everything is dying in front of our eyes, it's very hard to be optimistic. I mean, one day, maybe they're all the way up, wake up and say, wow, what are we doing here? Yeah. Uh, I'm afraid we're not there yet. Yeah. I mean, we're still in the mania phase. So right. uh, I'm sad to say I'm very, very pessimistic here. Anton Wallman, independent analyst and investor. The Street and Seeking Alpha is where you can read most of his stuff. Listen to this and previous shows at OurAutoExpert.com. We'll see you again next week. You've been listening to Our Auto Expert with Nick Mile. Find all the show episodes at ourautoexpert.com. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Our Auto Expert. And message us for a quick and witty response.